Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, this is Richard and Linda Ayer, back again for another conversation about parenting. We're, we're especially happy to be on the phone today on this beautiful Monday. It's raining here in Park City where we are, and uh, I'm recuperating from shoulder surgery, so I'm getting a lot of sympathy from Linda and all of you who've ever had rotator cuff surgery will join in sending your sympathy toward me vicariously. And no one really knows what that means until they've actually had the surgery. <laughs> and they say, oh, too, oh, you know, oh, too bad. But then somebody that's had it, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. That's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> anyway, so no one knows an interesting them, week. No one knows unless they've done it or unless they've been the spouse of someone who's done it, which is probably even a little worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be excited today, though, to share with you some thoughts about this time of year. The early part of August, Linda, is when we always get so many questions from parents about what do I do with my preschoolers this year? What is the best thing to keep them occupied, to prepare them for kindergarten, to give me a little break now and then? With the advent of a new school year come a lot of questions, and we always spend most of August trying to answer those questions for parents. We have some ideas for you, and even if you um, don't want to go whole hog on our idea, um, it is so important to think about what you want to give your preschoolers. Um, wow, we started with this a lot of years ago, obviously. Hey, why wouldn't they want to go whole hog with our ideas, Linda? Um, well, it <laughs> takes a little extra time. <laughs> I thought I thought all of Linda's ideas were so good that everyone went whole hog. Interesting phrase. Uh, yeah, that is interesting. But, um, you know, about, oh, how many years ago now? 35 years ago. We decided that what we had three little preschoolers and we were shaking our heads saying, oh my gosh, how are we going to survive this? What do we want to teach these kids? And we came home from the hospital with a, our third little guy and, and, oh, actually our second little girl. And, uh, there was a poster on our paper, uh, I mean a flyer on our front porch in McLean, Virginia saying, get your child in our preschool today. Or you will be, this child will never make it to Harvard, essentially. Get your infant, get your newborn on our waiting list, or you may not get into our preschool, which would be a disaster for your child. We, I guess we should add that this was a real, this was a real hotbed of early childhood pushy academic education in, in Washington, D.C. And, um, it seemed like everywhere you turned, people would say to you, uh, where does your child go to school? And we'd say, oh, our children aren't in school. They're just preschoolers. And then the person would say, that's what I mean. Where is your child going to school? As though it was going to determine their entire future. And were we lucky enough to get into such and such school or this school or that school? And uh, it was quite a conundrum for us, Linda, because we weren't 100% sure we wanted our kids to start school when they were one year old or two years old, and we weren't even quite sure that it was really important that they learn how to read by the time they were three or 
do square roots by the time they were four. But, you know, it's interesting because you don't know that when you're a young parent. You just think, oh, my gosh, that's probably right. If I don't get started right now and, and just think of the confidence this child will have when she goes to preschool if she can read. And, you know, it just really is, it's hard to figure out. Well, I think the instincts of parents, uh, and it's a good instinct, I think we all we want our child to do well. Frankly, we want our child to be the best. We want our child to be in the best reading group in kindergarten and to play on the best team in sports and to be the first chair violinist in the little orchestra. We we really want our children to succeed. And so because of that, we fall prey to those who would advertise to us that they've got this indispensable preschool that we have to get our children in. You know, um, it really is wild to think back that many years and now looking at what has happened to our children. I, I do have to say, though, that our children are working on teaching their children before they go to kindergarten to write their name, to learn the letters, and several of them know how to read, and some know how to read prolifically by the time they start kindergarten, which is an advantage for, uh, you know, two or three years and everybody catches up anyway. But we're not, we're not saying you can't do that or there's something wrong with that because it depends on the child. We had a child with some learning disabilities that did not learn to read until the seventh grade, which was really scary. And he did graduate with a college degree. So, you know, really it is just uh, your individual child and what you need. But what you really want to think about is what do I want these children to learn while they're just little tiny kids? Well, and that's actually, um, uh, we know this show is rebroadcast, but if you do happen to be listening to it on August 1st, which is today, you might want to look in the newspaper under Deseret or on the computer under DeseretNews.com because we did a a poll there today of parents asking them the question you just posed, Linda. What do you think is the most important thing to teach preschoolers? Um, what is the thing that you should be working on your preschoolers with? And the article kind of essentially says, look, we all know they can learn almost anything. We all know these little preschoolers are like little mental sponges. They can, they can soak up virtually anything. The question is, what do we want them to soak up? Because obviously there's not time to, to teach them everything, although that's another mistake some parents make where they tr they're trying to have their kids do every single thing, every sport, every music every dance class, every, uh, you know, every academic uh, advantage, every head start, and sometimes it can get a little obsessive. But anyway, the article there today, um, I, I was just looking at it before we started the, uh, <laughs> the show, Linda, and about 67% about of the respondents so far on the poll are saying, None of these things, none of them are as important as letting the child have a real childhood. It really is so important. I'm looking at this, too. I just pulled it up for the first time. And, Richard, you have got some accounting to do to put <laughs> that picture in. At least you didn't say that was me, but I look like I belong in a vampire movie. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's a picture of Linda looking lovingly at two of our, uh, well, our little children. Yeah. They're preschoolers. And, and it, it, I thought that photo said, oh, what do we do with these kids? What do we, you know, what should be our goal? What should be our objective? Well, 
the interesting thing is the results in this this article today on this poll are very similar to what our thoughts were many years ago. We felt like, yes, we'd like him to do well. Yes, we want him to succeed academically. Yes, we'd like him to have musical and sports talent and so on. But are any of those things so overwhelmingly important that we want to push our kids into them while they're still three or four years old? Or is that the time for imagination, for creativity, for childhood, for fun, for play? And do they have plenty of time for all these other things after they've started their formal schooling? And that's that's kind of the question we we posed in the paper today, and it's kind of the question we posed to ourselves all those many years ago. And lucky for us, we had some good friends at the time who shared the same dilemma, and we had a number of very interesting discussions with them centering on the question, if you could give your child one thing, what what is it that you would give? In other words, what is the most important thing to try to teach or develop within our children while they're very young and while they're still at home with us because once they're off to school, you lose a tremendous amount of the control that you have over what it is that they learn and what it is that they focus on. Um, now, you're probably wondering what what do we focus on? I mean, how do you teach? It sounds like such a funny kind of uh, cheesy name, Joy School. But it really is so amazing. We started with this really literally 35 years ago, and we started um, thinking how can we teach children to be joyful about their bodies, about the earth, about making decisions about their family, and so on and so on. And we decided to divide it up into sections, and then we went to work on a book that actually talked about how to teach each of these joys to the kids that they really can learn when they're little. And let me just say that um, we were initially flooded by parents who would say to us, well, you don't have to teach um, joy to children. You don't have to teach happiness to children. That's something that they already have. That's something that they already know. And our response was, well, there may be some kinds of joy and happiness that children develop naturally, but there are others that they really do need to learn and they really can be taught. Um, And it is amazing what we found. Um, We mentioned a few. Um, The joy of honesty and candor is so interesting to teach little preschoolers and that's the time they need to learn about honesty. I mean, you know, when you see a child with chocolate all over their face and did did you take a cookie? No, no, you know, and it's because they're afraid of the consequences and so on. It's just a time to sit down with these little kids and explain how important it is to be honest and what's honest and what isn't, play games with them, help them to really think about it when they're tiny. That's the time to learn those kinds of things. And so for us, joy became quite a magnificent word. And again, um, while we did write the book, Teaching Your Children Joy, I don't want to convey that these were all our ideas. In fact, they came from many, many parents that we were working with at the time when we would, we would basically keep asking the same question. What is it you really want for your child? And then being more specific, what kinds of happiness do you hope to increase your children's capacity for? 
And that became an interesting question because the, the, the answers would range all the way from very simple joys, joys, quote-unquote, like the joy of the earth that you mentioned, Linda, the joy of the body, the joy of imagination and creativity. But then they would also go to things like that you don't normally associate with children, but that you do associate with joy, like the joy of achieving a goal, the joy of creating something, the joy of sharing and giving service to other people. And so the, the more we got into it, the more we found that we could really divide the subject of joy into probably five large sections, the social joys, the emotional joys, the physical joys, the mental joys, and even the spiritual joys. And so when we come back, we're going to give you some specific ideas of how you set, tell you a three-year-old to set a goal and how they can do it to create some real joy in their little souls. And we're going to tell you a little more about how to actually set up a joy school where instead of you doing all the teaching, you group together with four or five other mothers or other parents, and you rotate as the teacher, and you each take your turn, and while other people are teaching Joy School, guess what? You've got the morning off. We'll see you in just a moment. We'll be back. Okay, so we're back. And we're here to just give you an idea of what we do in Joy School to teach little children how to set their goals. Uh, it is so fun. We have them do a little pie chart, and then we ask them what they would like to do, what goal they would like to accomplish by the end of the month, because it's a whole month series of months. And uh, Now, maybe we should clarify before oh, you yeah, get into one be. of the specific joys, Linda, that... Uh, that there are oh, let's just let's just be a little more general and then we'll get back to the the joy of goal setting which is actually one of the 12 monthly joys in joy school and let's but let's begin by um just reminding listeners that uh, anything we leave out on this fairly limited broadcast you can go luckily for the internet to joyschools.com put an s on schools joyschools.com, and you can get the entire curriculum for this Joy School. But, but just let us give you the philosophy of it one time, and then we'll spend the rest of the show getting into specific examples of, of different joys. So, so you start with the theory that joy is the most important thing a preschooler can learn. Joy defined as all of the different social and emotional capacities that really allow a child to flourish and to, to get along well with other children, to conceptualize information, and essentially to be happy. And we, we call it the JQ, the joy quotient, which we think for a preschooler is actually more important than the IQ or intelligence quotient. So then you have a breakout of 12 different sections for different kinds of joy, and you have a curriculum guide because, let's face it, most of us as parents are not professional teachers. We don't know how to set up a lesson plan. We don't want to have to go to the library and find the stories and the songs that we might need. So what you get online with joyschools.com is all of the curriculum every five minutes. Here's what you say. Here's what you do. Tell this story. Play this song. And by doing that, an ordinary parent can become a very good 
teacher of joy school and the beauty of it linda i think and linda should be commenting on this one because she did a lot more joy school teaching than i did back in the day but the lovely thing is when you're not the joy school teacher guess who is one of your best friends someone who you chose to be in your joy school group with you someone who you trust someone who you love to have teaching your children so actually, it is just a neighborhood group, or sometimes, I mean, we've had people in New York City taking two different buses to get to each other's houses. It's so fun, but they love it because they're doing this with their friends. So it's from two moms to six, seven moms. We've had seven little boys one year, which is pretty wild. Um, it can be a combination of three- and four-year-olds. Sometimes, if they're potty trained, sometimes they can start just a bit before three, which is another advantage of this kind of preschool because most preschools will not allow a child in until they're three, um, except for the child care ones, which are different. But um, So you meet two times a week. It gives you exactly what to do from minute to minute. Um, Richard's mother actually was an early childhood education major, and she pr produced these lessons, the original lessons for us. And then artists showed up and said, we'll do the artwork. And musicians showed up and said, we'll do the music. And, and so we have... We have CDs that you can either order or most moms now are just, just downloading uh, online. Everything's online. You just download the lessons. It's so fun to participate in. We now have grown uh, women come to us over and over again, and men too, saying, I went to joy school, and I am so joyful. <laughs> and, now I'm, and now I'm teaching it to my children, so it, it has become at least a two- generation thing and maybe a three generation thing and frankly looking back on it we're amazed at how joy school has grown there are literally hundreds of thousands of parents who have now participated with their children in joy school and people always say why why did it catch on so much and, and i always say well i think the first reason is because all of us as parents really want happy children and when you hear joy school you get you get intrigued at least and you begin to to look into it but i think the other reason it grows is because it's so extremely inexpensive you basically just pay for these little simple materials and uh someone told me the other day that when they changed from a regular commercial school to a joy school now given they have to do some of the teaching themselves it's a co-op rather than a commercial school but they were saying that they figured it cost them 120th as much as when they were sending their child to a to a commercial preschool, so I think it's both the subject matter and the the economic viability of it that uh, that makes it grow. But uh, yeah, well, and just wanting to spend time with the preschoolers, yeah, you know, it yeah. really People is such a little yeah. window of time when we have those kids home, and to really spend quality time with them. Let me just say one thing on that, Linda, because that's really good. I think there there is a dilemma. For parents, it's for dads too, but it's especially true I, I find with moms who are saying, "Oh my goodness, this this is my three-year-old. In two years, he's going to be off to school anyway. I don't want to. I, I want to keep him. I want to have all the time with him that I can. Yet at the same time, that same mom is saying, "But I know he needs to develop some social skills with peers. I know he needs to." sort of get ready to go to uh, to kindergarten. I know that it's good for him to get out and be with, with other little kids, and I know that I want him to learn these joys. So it, it, in a way, joy school is sort of a way to say, I still want control. I still want to be the one determining what my child knows. But, but it is a preschool, and it's a joy school. 
Well, we should say up front, there is a membership fee of $50, which is a lifetime membership. You can get any of the materials on the website, including how to talk to your child about sex and all those details with that. And then uh, the tuition is by two semesters, and uh, all those joys are included in those two semesters. One ends at, at at Christmas time, and then starts again in January and goes to May. But I know you wanted to get into some of the examples of the joys, Linda, and I know one of the ones Linda always, I think because you wrote so much of it, Linda, is the joy of simple goal striving. But let me just say that the simple ones are what you start with, the joy of the body, where you're just basically you know, learning songs about your eyes or the camera and your your joints or the hinges and and you're just appreciating your body, and then the joy of the earth where you're just in nature, and frankly, little kids will teach you more about the joy of their body and the earth than you'll ever teach them. So it's just an organized way of preserving the joy. And then, Linda, we get into things like the joy of goal striving. Yes, and it is so fun to see these little kids set their goals. They just, we make a little pie chart, as I mentioned before, with the little slices on it, and you know, one of the goals might be to learn to tie their shoe. There's so much Velcro now, maybe <laughs> they don't need to learn that so much as these do. But um, also, you know, how to put their coat on. I mean, for, that's hard for a little kid, and there are some tricks in there that are kind of fun uh, to teach kids to put their own, st- their own coat on. The, my favorite one is one little three-year-old in our group decided he wanted to quit sucking his thumb. And, that was uh, his goal. That was his goal. I really want to quit sucking my thumb. And, and you've heard us talk a little bit about ownership, maybe if you've heard past meeting, past uh, shows. But this little child owned that goal. I mean, his parents were not standing over him saying, you've got to quit sucking your thumb and you know, putting nasty stuff on it and, or whatever it takes. He just said, I really want to quit sucking my thumb. So every half hour during dry school that he did not suck his thumb, we we colored in a little part of the pie and then you know by the end he by the end of the week he was coming to me and saying would you put my blankie up on top of your refrigerator because if I have my blankie I just have to suck my thumb you know and it was so cute to see that determination in a little three-year-old and you you think well that's a pretty sophisticated thing but it is so fun for them to learn to do little fun simple things like that that they really want to do and then it just it progresses as they grow older. Well, when you think about it, most of the joys in life are fairly simple things. I mean, we sometimes as adults, we make them more complicated, but they're they're really simple. I mean, I love the old phrase, the best things in life are free, and the, the most happy, the most joyful things in life are usually fairly basic. I mean, you can buy these adult goal-setting books that give you all this detail and so on, but when it comes right down to it, the joy of simple goal striving is just picking something you want to do and then working at it progressively. I'll tell you, I've had a lot of adults now say, you know, that little pie chart method of keeping track of a simple goal that you use in joy schools. Well, I'm now the president of a company, and I still use the color in the pie chart method that I learned back when I was in preschool. <laughs> and I think the basic that's what that's what joy school is all about. It's it's all about saying what are the things that make us happy in life. Now, how do we find the most basic form of those things and put them in songs or in uh, or in music or in stories or in games so that a fairly small children 
a fairly small child can actually experience the feeling of that joy. Because one one great thing about joy, whatever kind of joy it is, is it's self-perpetuating. Once you feel it, hey, you know what? You want to feel it again, so you're interested in doing whatever it was. In this case, setting another goal and reaching it. You know, let me just read through these joys because I think uh, parents that are listening will identify with, if they have, especially if they have a preschooler or a grandchild who's a preschooler, um, will identify with, yeah, that's what I want my grandchild or my child to learn. So we've talked about the joy of the body, the earth, and honesty and candor. Um, we have a, a unit on com- communication and relationships, the joy of that, the joy of sharing and service. At Christmas time, we go out to um, rest homes and do just a little nativity scene with, uh, or, you know, if we have Jewish people and Muslims and, you know, Hindus doing this now, and they, of course, adapt that to what their particular service might be. But it is so fun. The mom just reads this little narration and these little kids come on and go off and it is just a kick to see them. They don't have to do anything. They just have to follow what this, you know, scenario is happening. And it, it just gives these little old people so much joy. Um, going on, um, uh, goal striving, which we've talked about, obedience and decisions. Boy, is that the time to learn about obedience. And the joy of obedience. See, this is not the, the, the discipline of obedience or the responsibility of obedience. These are little kids, and the goal is joy. So the exercises and the stories in that unit are, hey, it feels good when you obey a law. It keeps you safe when you obey a law. It keeps you happy when you obey a law. So the joy of obedience and, of course, the joy of decisions. One of my favorite joy school stories is Cheeky and the Laws. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. story about a little monkey who is faced with little circumstances, and the mom is always saying, now, is there a law for that, Cheeky? And, you know, do we throw our banana peels on the ground? Yes, there's a law because someone else might get hurt. Okay, well, then here's another situation. What color of juice are we going to have this morning? Is there a law or can we decide? And, you know, kids really get a kick out of recognizing that some things you can decide and some things you just have to keep the law. Exactly. And these next two now really are the ones that the kids teach us as much as we can teach them. The joy of interest and curiosity. Man, are they interested and curious about everything. And then spontaneous delight. And, you know, we have so much fun with that. We have, uh, if you have a hot air popcorn popper, we just do it without the lid on and just let the popcorn fly. And the kids absolutely love that. Or shaving cream on uh, your counter. Just have them have a ball with shaving cream because it's just a delightful experience. You just are young once, and so we need to take advantage of that. Well, we're always going around kind of squelching children's spontaneous delight, and Joy School is a a time. Actually, Joy School is kind of an excuse to participate in that spontaneous delight along with our children. Now, so, you know, there's there's all these joy units. You teach them as a mom or as a dad. And then the beautiful thing about Joy School is that you your kids get the opportunity to go from one home to the next with a different person as their teacher each time. And some of you out there listening might say, yeah, but what about 
what about preparing them for school? What about getting them ready for kindergarten? Well, there are some things in Joy School that are directly designed to help prepare a child for kindergarten. There are some basic little language skills. There's even a supplement called kindergarten readiness that you can have. But here's the thing I wanted to say. We've we've talked to, as you can imagine, a lot of kindergarten elementary age teachers in our time, and they, to a person, they will tell you the thing that prepares a child for kindergarten and for school is not that they can already read proficiently, not that they have math skills. They need a few little basic you know, abilities to do things, but what really prepares them for school is when they can interact with other kids, when they can be kind to each other, when they can share, when they can communicate well with each other. And you know what? Those are the very things that we call the joys of joy school. You know, it's interesting. We started the very first um, laboratory joy school, let's call it. It was a real house that we bought up in Logan, Utah, which is where Richard's mother lived. We had parents, I mean teachers, saying we can tell the kids that came from joy school in our kindergarten classes because they're so well-adjusted. So we hope all of you, whether you do it formally through joyschools.com or whether you do it on your own, will consider the possibility that the most important thing for a preschooler is a happy childhood. Good luck, and take a look at joyschools.com. See you next time.